Hey, 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 how are we doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Digital Discussions Unfiltered podcast. Today I am joined by my pal, and some of you may have seen she's also my personal accountability buddy. Um, my daily kind of person that I voice note all the time, the lovely Leanne, who is also known as the content creator. So one of the projects that Leanne is currently working on is her newly formed Zero to SEO Hero course that she's putting together. And so obviously being her accountability buddy, I am right by her side day in, day out, digging deep. Come on, Leanne. (laughs) But we wanted to obviously share her wisdom and I just wanted to get her on the podcast, take her podcast virginity. This is her first ever guest appearance on a podcast. I love doing that to people. And I just wanted her to come on here and share her wisdom with you, help you out. And today we are talking all about SEO and Shopify. Now in this episode, we cover quite a lot in terms of where to start, how to go and find keywords, what keyword even is, and then where to use those keywords and what impact that's then going to have on your website. So product-based businesses, this one is definitely for you, especially if you currently have your website on Shopify. And, you know, even if you don't, brutal honesty, you're probably going to pick something up along the way We don't go into the specifics of Shopify, but you never know what you might pick up. So as per usual, I've rambled for long enough. I'm going to shut up and introduce my conversation with the lovely Leanne from The Content Creator. Okay. Hello, lovely Leanne. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm um I'm in a warehouse <laughs> um and but yeah I'm good I'm good do, do you want to give context for that because no. just say yes, that no. you're in a warehouse <laughs> I think we should start again already no no oh, it's not happening. let's carry on right okay. before we get into the main bulk of the conversation that's a great way to start a podcast that's that's gonna be my best by far <laughs> Uh, Before we get into the bulk of the conversation, with every guest that I have on the podcast, I like to challenge to introduce themselves as a person, as a human being, rather than as a business. We all have a tendency of doing that in 30 seconds or less. And to add a bit of spice to make it a little bit more fun, if you go over the 30 seconds, all that I ask is that you make a small donation to the Charity Mind. Do you think you can do it, Leanne? I accept your challenge. Oh, there was a bit of confidence in there. It was, and, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of like, yeah, go on then. Come on then. <laughs> so I have my stopwatch ready. I do have a stopwatch. Are you ready? I'll count you in. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Uh, so I'm Leanne. I'm a human being. Um, I am, <laughs> I'm a dog person. I have a dog called Zuko who um, has actually just started his modeling career. Um, that's not really true. He, I just took a photo of him with a t-shirt on. Um, what else? I climbed Kilimanjaro eight years ago now. Yeah, that's an interesting fact that not many people know about me. I, I'm obsessed with true crime. I watch lots of true crime, which makes me super paranoid and super scared of everything. And what else? Oh, I have a, I have a degree in philosophy. Um, another interesting thing that people don't know about me. Um, and I'm really, really needy, as Lorna already knows, because I send her voice notes almost every day of my life. And that'll do. 
amazing. <laughs> can we just say, right, can I just point out, before I hit record, I went, there's literally nothing interesting about me. You climbed to kill a Mount Jara, mate. I can't even say it, apparently. Yeah, I did. But it's one of those things that was so, it's so unlike me as a person. Like, I'm a naturally really wary, risk-averse person. And then I just, one day, I threw it in the original fuck it bucket eight years ago. And I literally just said, I basically spent all my student loan to go climb Kilimanjaro with people I hadn't met until I got to the airport (laughs) and then climbed a mountain. And it's the kind of thing that I forget I've done because it just feels so unlike the me that I am now. It's very odd. But I'm genuinely in shock. (laughs) The only thing that reminded me is that I've got... um, I've got a, 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 like a print of Kilimanjaro that I've got mounted on the wall and I just saw it out the corner of my eye when I was under pressure in your stupid challenge. <laughs> and it reminded me of it, so it came out. <laughs> well, given that you just called it a stupid challenge, how I mean, it was a well great challenge. You, I love how it. How well did you think you did? Did you think I have you got no, it though? No idea, no idea. 43 seconds. <gasps> oh, I'm lucky. Gosh just darn saying. it. It's one of the reasons you should prepare people. Leanne did not prepare. She did not. I forgot about it. <laughs> so now that we've learned a little bit more about you, I, I'm genuinely shocked. And I'll, you know, I will back up your claim. You're, you're not that needy. No. I don't think. I feel like I send you more voice notes than you send me, to be fair. I mean, you do, but that's just because you ramble <laughs> a lot. <laughs> your voice notes are just longer than mine. <laughs> Oh, quick, move on, move on. <laughs> right, so now that we know more about you as a person, what do you do for work, Leanne? What is your business? So my business is The Content Creator, and I do a mix of SEO, copywriting, and social media management. Um, so I started, I was in-house as a marketer for a, a psychology firm for a few years. Then I went agency side as an SEO and content manager and now I'm out on my own doing the scary business owner thing (laughs) Um, but it is still quite new to me I only went full-time in my business in March yeah March so it's only been a couple of months I'm pretty sure it was March I mean I don't know you might be right but (laughs) I'm pretty sure I can't remember I just I just remember it happening but that's how amazing so I actually to be fair very quick question before we move on how do you genuinely feel about agency life it was just one of those I always worked in-house and there was I think I went for two job interviews before I went self-employed at agencies and I just I walked in I was like I do not belong here (laughs) this is not for me for me like the agency I worked at was really small there were only four or five of us um so it was really small and for me it was because when I was in-house the company I was working for didn't have any other marketers and I still felt quite early on in my career, but I was already like a marketing manager, but not having anyone to learn from. So for me, the step into agency made sense because I wanted other people in the same industry around me to learn yeah. from. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, a- agency versus freelance slash business ownering slash whatever it is I'm doing now, I definitely choose this over agency, obviously, but for me, agency made sense because it was, I needed other people around me to learn from at that point. And so now you very much kind of work one-to-one with small business owners. Is there any particular type of business that you'll work with or not so much? Not so much. I seem to have accidentally somewhat niched into kind of science based stuff. 
like I, I've, I've worked with gynecologists The when I was in-house marketing, it was a psychology firm. So naturally from that, I've then picked up a few psychology yeah. clients from that. So it tends to be kind of those bigger, more complex topics that people struggle to break down into simple things for social media and for copywriting as well. So, but I, I like, I haven't consciously niche. I'll work with anyone if they're <laughs> nice and fun and like to swear in conversations. Cause that's a must. That is a must. Yeah. I concur. Very much concur. <laughs> so today we obviously wanted to very much touch on something that you're working on behind the scenes, quote unquote, uh, because you have actually put it out into the world. People are signing up for their to show their interest. So tell us a little bit more about that and then we'll jump into the main bulk of the conversation, which you were so lovely in sending me bullet points about talking points, which I'm absolutely buzzing about because that's normally my job. <laughs> You're hired. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the behind the scenes exciting thing is that I'm building a course at the moment on SEO and I am incredibly proud of the name I've come up with for it. The name came before the content, let's be honest about <laughs> it. Um, but it's called Zero to SEO Hero, which means I can use Hercules GIFs in every single piece of content, which is great. Um, but it's basically, <laughs> it's basically, um, I'm a big believer that SEO isn't impossible. And I think that there are so many people out there that try and make it feel like a completely insurmountable challenge for small business owners. So this course kind of just erases that narrative really um and it's all about actually being able to implement what you learn as well so instead of just learning like why seo is important and what it is i'm actually i'm building i'm giving myself much work and i'm building three <laughs> versions of the course <laughs> so whether your website's on shopify squarespace or wix there'll be a different version of the course so you can see exactly how to implement everything you learn on the back end of your website not some other platform that you'll never use which is so bloody important because let's face it, half of the battle of running a small business is we can sit and learn until we're blue in the face. But unless we actually implement it and do it, it's never actually going to make a difference, is it really? No, so exactly. So there's lots of lots of screen recording. Um, I have <laughs> I've set up demo websites on every single platform um, so I can show I can literally scram, square square machine. Not <laughs> sorry that's staying in the episode I'm not okay. editing that out okay. that's good that so I good. can share my screen and take people through every single bit of implementing it as well as actually learning what you're doing with it as well so yeah. I'm hoping it will help lots and lots of people absolutely will it sounds bloody amazing and so obviously today we very much wanted to focus on one element of that and how anybody that's listening that hosts their website on Shopify. I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are product-based businesses and anybody that's listened to previous episodes knows that I'm a massive fan of Shopify when it comes to e-commerce. So I very much asked Leanne to come on and share her wisdom in terms of SEO and Shopify. So God, there's so much we could talk about. (laughs) (laughs) SEO is like a beast in itself isn't it like it's it is it is but that's I think that's a big part of the problem is that it's it is such a big thing and it's a tiny it's literally three letters and it covers a freaking huge amount of stuff so people just sit down and they're like I want to do SEO but where the hell do I start I think that's yeah that's the problem but it's not as complicated as people think I don't know where we should start though (laughs) yeah and that's and that's the thing I think we've had this conversation 
for our many voice notes beforehand <laughs> um that there are just there are so many people online that just make things overcomplicated and seem much more complex than they need to be because essentially they're just trying to sell you something can't they i guess yeah but in terms of where somebody would start if they've never if they've kind of created a shopify website you know when you were coming up with the concept of the course it was very much about anybody that's kind of not necessarily bodged but we'll go with it. They've bodged their own website. They've made their own website and they're kind of muddling their way through. And where, you know, where does somebody start? Is it a case of they start with the keyword research? Yeah. So that's, that's always where I start with, with clients and with, with any SEO work. I always start with keyword research because if you don't know which search terms you're targeting, then you don't know if any of your efforts are actually paying off or not. Um, so keyword research basically just looks at kind of what your competitors are ranking for, what other people in the industry are ranking for, and then builds out from that and identifies keywords that have a decent level of search volume. So people are actually searching for those things, but also don't have a ridiculously high level of competition because obviously as a small business, you're unlikely to be able to compete with like ASOS or someone like that that's just not going to happen so it's trying to find those slightly more niche keywords that you can compete with others on and once you know the keywords that you're targeting you can then go in and implement those keywords across your site but always the first step is is keyword research because without that you don't really know what you're targeting it seems really obvious when I say it like that but it's yeah you can't you can't go in a particular direction if you don't know the direction you're going in so 100 percent, and it sounds it's so funny because everything that I tend to say when I say it out loud I'm like it sounds so simple <laughs> so many people have said to me in the last week it sounds so simple when you say it like that and I'm like yeah it does doesn't it <laughs> but it's actually kind of break it's just about breaking it down I guess isn't it so in terms of keyword research if somebody kind of has literally never even thought about what people search for how can they you know how, how do you start that? Is it a case of using a particular piece of software? Is it a case of, or a website? And how do they start with kind of finding what those words should be? And then I guess we can move on to where they can put them. Yeah, so I think this is another thing that people stumble over is that there's so many free or semi-free tools out there that you can use for keyword research or for any SEO stuff. Um, and a lot of them are quite restrictive unless you pay for it, obviously. But there's a couple that I use. So Moz has a keyword explorer function. It only gives you 10 searches a month, but that's enough to get you started. Um, and my other favorite at the moment, this is the one I pay for this software and I use this with my clients, but SpyFu allows you to put in, you basically put in any URL on the internet and it tells you which keywords that URL is ranking for. And it gives you an indication as to how much money they're spending on ads as well, which is quite interesting. But basically, where I'd start is with one of those tools, you can, I think the best place to start is to actually think about who your competitors are in the industry and try and think of competitors that are kind of at a similar level to you, not ones that are kind of ASOS level, ridiculously, like they have their own SEO team that works 24-7 on this, you're not going to be able to compete with them. <laughs> um, but thinking of some competitors that are roughly at the same level as you and then popping those URLs over into one of those tools will give you somewhere to start from. So they, they will kind of spit out, spit out, that's a lovely phrase, isn't it? They will, spit <laughs> out, <laughs> they will spit out the keywords that those sites are ranking for and then you can filter through those, pull out the ones that are relevant for your site and then start thinking about, 
other related terms that are similar to those keywords that you could also check the search volumes of. And yeah, it's just a case of start with the competitors, but then also just turn your brain into a bit of a thesaurus for a while and start thinking about alternative phrases that your competitors might not be ranking for and therefore might be a good way for you to start kind of stealing some of their traffic and getting ranking higher than them for those terms instead. Get stealing, get stealing, yeah, little robbers. Yeah. So before we hit record, I did pre-warn you in my defence. I like to play devil's advocate occasionally. So going based on what you've just said, you would always start with kind of the competition, always looking at your competitors. What if somebody who's listening to this doesn't necessarily, I mean, please God, please please know who your competition is but (laughs) what if somebody doesn't know who their competitors are how you know how can they go about starting to think about what words are being searched for yeah so interestingly I'm starting work with a new client at the moment and she has come back and said I don't actually know who my competitors are because I like to just focus on what I'm doing and I like to stay in my lane and not worry about anyone else which I completely get and I'm 100% on board with just doing focusing on what you're doing and not worrying too much about what other people are doing but from a keyword perspective starting with competitors helps just to give you a foundation if you don't have that foundation I would suggest I would suggest trying to find someone a bit more objective a bit further away from your business to have a look at your website and start thinking about kind of words and phrases that come to mind when they're looking through your products and just start trying to get because I know it's your business. So you get really, really close to it. You feel far too close to it. And you're like, well, obviously someone would be searching for red shoes to find this. But then if you ask someone else for their opinion, they might say something completely different. So it's a case of just trying to get some feedback from people that aren't in your own brain and trying to build out kind of a list of potential phrases that could be used to find your website. And then going to a tool like Moz or SpyFu and looking at the search volumes and the competition on those terms and phrases and picking out the ones that people are actually searching for. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. So the reason I kind of wanted to play devil's advocate a little bit there is... um, because you hate me. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, It's because I think when I first started out in self-employed world, I kind of dipped into a little bit here, there and everywhere. That's just kind of what I've always done. So, you know, so SEO was one of them. And one of the first talks that I ever did uh, to a room full of, I think it was about 30 small business women locally was about SEO. And it was, uh, I've said this before. I think I said this on the recording I did yesterday. I almost have to stop myself and kind of go, what I know isn't common sense. And I have to remind myself that. But at the same time, it was almost shocking to hear that people were trying to be too clever Mm. in what they were calling their items. And I'm like, but if nobody searches for, if you call it one thing, but the general population call it something completely different, then you're never going to be found. And there there has to be a bit of a balance there. There definitely has to be a balance. Like I, I'm a fan of creative copywriting and like, breaking the trends and being creative with your words but if you're doing that 
alone and you're not using words that people are actually searching for, then it's completely pointless because no one's going to read the fancy sentences you've just written. <laughs> yeah. And it comes down to like even the like the basics. So one of the ladies that I had in the tea program, she sells um, kind of the reusable stick on eyelashes and mm. has an incredible brand, incredible product. But, you know, she was calling them mink, um, false mink, because it was kind of uh, a synthetic mink kind of material and she wasn't actually using the word eyelashes Mm. and I was like can we um what (laughs) and she was like well I just hadn't even thought of it and so you're absolutely right in saying just get an outsider's perspective just kind of go to even if it's on social media what would you call this put a picture up what yeah. would you name this? What would you, if you were searching for this, what would you look yeah, for? Yeah, exactly. That's a really good idea, actually. The question question box on Instagram stories would be perfect for this, just to get some kind of a bit more objective feedback as to what people would call your product. The eyelashes yeah. thing is such a great example because it is just it is just that you're too close to your own business and you're like, well, of course they're eyelashes. But a stranger on the internet searching for eyelashes is never going to find you. They don't know yeah. that you that you do eyelashes. Everyone else might, but they don't. So you're never going to find new customers. It's so funny, isn't it? And it's just so, it's so refreshing to hear it. I think that kind of validation from somebody else where I was like, am I being bizarre and thinking <laughs> this would be normal? Like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but anyway, she's changed it and it's all good. Um, so... Okay, moving on. So they've maybe come up with their keywords. Is there, you know, a certain number of keywords they should create? Is it that they should be aiming for 10 different keywords, 100 different keywords? Is there like a limit or not so much? There's not a limit as such, and there's not a minimum as such. The the one thing to bear in mind is that Google likes to see pages that are focused on one particular topic. So when I when I finish keyword research, I have a big long list of keywords. It can range from like 40 keywords to like 120, which was a really boring project to do, by the way, the 120. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't go into that. But then once you've got that list of keywords, the next stage is to try and map those clusters onto pages or products across your site. Because the worst thing you can do is to have more than one page trying to compete with each other on your own site you want to try and focus one particular cluster of keywords around the same topic on one particular page or one particular product or one particular collection across your site and when it comes to Shopify it can be really tough to do that when it comes to individual products so one thing that people tend to not use very well in Shopify is the collection pages and if you've got for example if you sell jewelry and you've got a whole range of earrings and you've got a whole range of necklaces and you've got a whole range of rings each of those collections the rings the necklaces the earrings needs to be focused on a single topic a single cluster of keywords all around rings necklaces or whatever the other thing I said was earrings Um, now within that collection obviously you've then got multiple different products and those products will have slightly different features so there might be individual keywords that come out of the keyword research that are specific to a single product like hammered silver ring or something that is I was going to say good. colors quite a good one isn't yeah it? Like exactly gold, gold earrings silver earrings yeah so you go kind of we're getting quite deep into Shopify now but you go from the kind of top more top level keywords that you optimize the collections for 
and then go deeper in the products under those collections. So those products will still be optimized for the collection level keywords as well, but they will also be optimized for those really niche keywords like silver, hammered, ring that are only relevant to that one product. I'm doing a lot of hand gestures and I have only just realized that no one can see them. No, but I need this. It, ugh, I hope it makes sense just audibly because my hand gestures are helping. <laughs> so maybe let's give some examples. So I think, again, going kind of devil's advocate and trying to kind of put examples to it, you kind of saying there's nothing worse than two kind of different products kind of competing against each other. Would that as an example, look like the gold earrings competing against another different set of gold earrings because the keyword is then gold earrings? Yeah, to some extent, yes. Now, you're never going to be able to completely separate a product from another product in terms of keyword optimization. But the point is that you can make, you can focus each of those products on a more niche keyword. So even though they're both gold earrings, one might be like, gold hoop earrings and the other might be gold stud earrings and it's just it's filtering in those those more niche keywords into the product descriptions to to signal to google that they aren't a completely identical product obviously google knows they're not identical but it's kind of filtering in those really niche specific terms that can make them even more separate in the eyes of google yeah so the collection would be gold earrings and then within that, the products might be gold hoop earrings, gold stud earrings, gold drop earrings. I think that's the type of earring. <laughs> it is. It is. Yes. I've actually, <laughs> the reason I'm using jewellery as an example is because I've just finished a big project where I've been optimising loads of jewellery stuff. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's gold earrings or even just like modern contemporary ethical earrings as the collection page focus. And then products get far more specific. So looking into like design or whether they're for day-to-day or casual wear or evening wear, things like that, things that people will be searching for. So people might be searching for like gold earrings to wear with an evening dress. Like that's a meaty phrase, but something, something like that, you can pull out the word evening and say in your product description, just say perfect for day-to-day casual wear and evening wear, that kind of thing where you're just filtering in those more niche keywords to separate out the products. Yeah. And as you just kind of put there, which I want to pick up on quickly before we move on to where people can put keywords, it's very much it's about overcoming the um, the thought that a lot of people, when you say the word keywords, they'll think it's a word. Yes. Yes. That's not the case, is it? No, definitely not. So keyword and search term are often used kind of interchangeably. Um, but keyword, because it's a singular term, People do think it is just one individual word, but it's not. You, without getting too jargony, you can have short tail keywords, which are like one or two words. And then you get long tail keywords, which are kind of question based things. So like, which earrings should I wear with an evening dress? That's a long tail keyword. So it's still a keyword, even though it feels weird saying it's a keyword when it's a whole <laughs> phrase. <laughs> but yeah, keywords are not just single words. And it also, when you're writing optimized copy in for example your product descriptions which I'm sure we're getting to in a moment but the keywords that you're choosing so if one of your key search terms that's come out of your keyword research is uh, gold drop earrings 
those words don't necessarily have to be one after the other in a sentence in order for Google to pick up on those words as well. So it's not a case of literally having to write gold drop earrings, gold hoop earrings, gold circle hoop earrings, gold hexagon hoop earrings. You don't have to write it all like that because no one's going to want to read that for a start. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it doesn't also, make logical sense. No, to exactly. <laughs> and that is, I know I'm jumping around all over the place here, but that's another point that I really, really, really want to drive home is that there is no point in writing optimized copy if it sounds shit to a reader. Like there's a, there, there is a balance to be had between making Google happy and making your readers happy. And I think, especially nowadays, Google, every update that Google comes out with at the moment is focused on the user and the user experience that they get on your site. If your site's copy makes no sense, but is really great for keywords because you've just listed a bunch of keywords in your paragraph, Google is not going to like that because, yes, you've got your keywords in there. Google knows that people aren't going to enjoy reading that because it's just a bunch of random words that you've shoved in there for the purposes of SEO. That would have worked 10 years ago. When SEO first became a thing, Google pretty much just looked at how many keywords were on your page. Nowadays... I remember those times. (sighs) It sounds... sounds I feel like I want to throw up a little bit, the fact that I remember that. (laughs) I remember literally people would, and don't, anybody that's listening, don't take this and go and try and do it because it will totally fuck you. But the, there was a time where you could literally copy and paste the same keyword about 60 times, change it, put it on your page, change the color of the text to white. So it was the same color as the background of your website and you would skyrocket up yeah. to the top of Google on every single keyword you ever wanted to to rank for. How funny. I know. Oh, if only God. it was that easy. Jesus Christ. It just made me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> don't, the, don't do it. <laughs> don't no, do definitely it. Don't do that. The point is that Google thinks like a human these days. So it's not it's not going to take into account how many keywords are on your page. It's going to take into account how people interact with your page and how they engage with your page and that's that's the point you know there's so much to seo that isn't just what we're talking about obviously we're going very kind of deep into specifically shopify and specifically kind of content and keywords and that kind of thing but there's so much more to seo there's the technical side that um that we're we're just not even going to talk about (laughs) but (laughs) kind of saying you know google knows they you know there's just like Instagram, just like how people get pissed off with Instagram, Google has an algorithm. It has checklists. It has things that, you know, are going to work and are not going to work. And if if a customer lands on your page and bounces within three seconds, that sends a signal to Google to say, it's not a great page. That affects your ranking. It's not just these things that we're talking about. It's so much more. But yeah. just to not overcomplicate things, just to simplify things. <laughs> Let's carry on. So with keywords, where can, you know, where is it important for people to get those keywords in, mm-hmm. in like, let's say, for example, on a product page? So on a product page, the key places to get them in would be the the title of the product. If it works, again, if it's got a really, if you've named your product something particular and it just doesn't work to have a whole keyword or a whole search term in the title of that product, then don't worry about it too much. But ideally, get it into the title of the product um, just because that's what Google reads first on the page. So when it's crawling the page, it looks at the title first and then filters down to the rest of the page. So if it's in the title, then that's a signal that Google wants to rank it for that 
right from the start. Yeah. So one of the examples that I always think about is uh, clothing sites. Mm. So especially kind of small boutique clothing sites, you'll always find that they'll name their dresses like feminine names. So it might be the Amelia, the yeah. Leanne, the whatever it is, the Sophie dress. And I'm like, cool. But some of them will forget to put the word dress on the end. And I'm like, <laughs> if somebody Googles Sophie... They're probably looking for a particular person. They're not. They're not yeah. searching for a dress at that point, are they? Yeah, but exactly. yeah, you're absolutely right. It has to kind of work, doesn't it? Yeah, and and it could be that you have like the Sophie as your main product title, and as long as you've got, you could have a subtitle underneath that that actually says like feminine elegant dress or something like that to get some of your keywords in there. It's just it's just a good idea really to get the keywords as high up the page as possible so if you can get them into the title then do but if you can't maybe put a subtitle in the description if you can't do that then just get them into the description into the body of the description um but it is more important that it that it works and flows and pleases the user rather than stuffing them in in every single section so that's the the on-page side of things for products the other place that's really important to get your keywords into is your SEO page titles and your meta descriptions and that always sounds scary like the phrase meta description (laughs) sounds like I'm about to go off on a coding rant but it, it really isn't scary at all so on Shopify on your product pages when you're editing your product page you obviously see the page you see the product description box you see the images you see the variants if you've got variants and then right at the bottom where you probably never scrolled to before there's um an edit I can't remember exactly what it is, what it says, but it's basically where you can edit your SEO page title and your meta description. I'm pretty sure it says exactly that. Well, there we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've spent far too long in Shopify in the last few days. <laughs> um, yeah, so just click into that and then you can type in a specific page, SEO page title and a meta description for your product. And the, pay, the SEO page title and the meta description doesn't affect anything on the page of your product. Like to a user, it will still look exactly the same. What it does do is when you're searching for something in Google, you know, you see the like the page title and the description in the Google search results page. That's what you're changing when you change the SEO page title and the meta description. And that's one of, again, one of the first things that Google crawls when it looks at one of your pages is that SEO page title and meta description. So they're really good ways to get in your keywords, but also to get in a call to action in your meta description as well. So if people are scrolling through search results on Google, they get a brief description of your product. And then it's even if it's just something simple like shop now or free UK delivery or something like that in the meta description as well to again, it's balancing what Google wants, which is the keywords versus what the user wants, which is an encouragement to click through into your site yeah 100 percent. it's just another it's another space for you to convert that click essentially is to get that click compared to your composition that's on that search results page isn't it so if you can kind of write in there you know even if you describe what the product is they're just looking for something that think about how you shop how you mm. when you google things not I brutal honesty I don't think I read my descriptions but I think that's because I'm in that world do you know what I mean whereas my mum will sit there and be like "Mm, like with her little finger (laughs) index finger out on the screen um sorry mum if you listen to this (laughs) um but it's just about you know if you can describe 
and kind of answer that question for the user. If I click this link, what am I likely to see? Then happy days. Exactly. It's about it's about giving people what they want to know as soon as possible. And it also means that people are less likely to click through to your website if it's not something that they're looking for and are therefore less likely to be a bounce rate for your analytics. So it's it's kind of you're attracting the people you want to attract and also repelling the wrong kinds of customers at the same time. And I freaking love repelling the wrong kinds of people. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Lorna does too. So. <laughs> I feel like this has come up a lot recently. I absolutely do. It's so, I think so many, so many of us, just to go off on a bit of a tangent, so many of us are so scared to not be liked by everybody, aren't we? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you attract the right people, then it's just going to do so much better for you. Basically. It's fair enough if you're a huge business, like you want, you yeah. want to attract loads of people, but we both like no one who comes to work with the content creator is not going to be working with me. So if they don't like me as a person, then they're not going to yeah. like working with my business you know yeah so it just seems futile to not be exactly who I am because I'm just going to attract people that just don't get along with working with me and that's not going to be fun for either of us yeah it's just going to add additional stress that you just don't fucking need doesn't it <laughs> exactly <laughs> nice getting a swear word in there nice nice uh, repelling uh, yeah. There. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's so funny like I've had the same conversation so many times because so many some people say to me I in fact was it you I had a conversation with somebody no, I don't think it was. And I just said, like, swear words for me. Nobody would believe me. Until last year, I didn't swear at home at all, in front of my parents, categorically. Outside of the house, potty mouth. But it was just the thing with my with my parents, yeah. right? But actually, by not swearing in my marketing, it's exhausting. Because if it I is. was in front of somebody, I would do it. Yeah. So I was consciously making an effort not to. And it was just like oh, I don't think people realize being somebody that you're not is just knackering it's, it's not such a it. corporate hangover though isn't it it's like yeah you would never or well I guess agency life is a bit different but in in when I was in-house I would never have like gone around the building swearing at everyone but <laughs> on Instagram I mean I kind of did I but... run around Instagram swearing. <laughs> another <No>. conversation <laughs> but yeah it's like it's like even George my partner he he gets he gets a bit cringed out when I swear on Instagram stories because he's like, that's so unprofessional. You're going to be making people not want to work with you. And I'm like, that's exactly the point. I yeah. don't want to work with people that don't want me to swear because the chances are I'm going to accidentally swear in the middle of a conversation. So may as well get it out there now rather than after they've signed on the dotted line and then they hate me. <laughs> yeah. And there are so many other businesses that they can go and find and work with if that is an issue for yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Um, Plenty more anyway. in the sea. 100% YOLO <laughs> uh coming back come back come back sorry so, yes uh keywords where else can we use them so of course we've talked you've briefly kind of mentioned about kind of collection pages and you think that that's where one of the spots where most kind of Shopify businesses kind of fall down I guess so how can we kind of incorporate keywords into collection pages yeah so collection pages I think are a great landing page for getting for driving or tra organic traffic too so many people don't use collection pages properly um, collection pages are a really great opportunity to rank in google and to drive traffic to a landing page that then directs people to your specific products under that collection um, and the great thing about collection pages is that they 
from a keyword perspective, they can use keywords that are broad enough to have a really high search volume. And then you obviously are then driving traffic down into your products, which are more niche and more more niche keyword specific, if that makes sense. Yeah. So collection pages, people often don't use collection page descriptions, which I think is a big mistake. So descriptions yes. on collection pages are such a great opportunity to get keywords in there. Um, obviously, it depends on the theme that you're using in Shopify, but most themes will allow you to like it's usually just a tick box that says show description on collection page. Um, and that will just mean that you get a little paragraph of text, which is your collection description right at the top of your page. Um, I wouldn't make it ridiculously long, that bit of text, because then you're pushing your products further down the page. So it will take people more scrolling time to actually get to the products, to get to the juicy stuff. But I would put like 100, 150 words in there just as an opportunity to get your keywords in there. And then the other you thing... You literally just the... answered the question that I was going to ask. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sars. <laughs> Love it. Love um, it. And the other thing with collection pages is obviously that you can do the SEO page titles and meta descriptions in the same way that you do for the product pages, um, but just obviously optimize them for your broader collection-specific keywords. And again, it's kind of, is it right to think that the concept is the same as like a product description in that, you know, we're very much, again, writing for humans. It's not just a case of keyword, comma, keyword, comma, (laughs) keyword, comma, keyword. Yes, I would still. So yes, but no. So I would still focus on writing for humans. Obviously, I think everywhere you write anything online, you need to be writing for humans. But I think product descriptions are more important because at that point, customers are kind of considering whether they want to buy it so that they need to be really human focused collection page descriptions I still wouldn't keyword stuff if a keyword doesn't fit in a sentence then don't squeeze it in in a way that makes no sense but I think you can take a little more liberty in kind of phrasing that might not feel a hundred percent natural in the collection descriptions just because I think it's fewer people will read it and it's they're kind of at an earlier stage of the journey so it's not going to matter as much a huge caveat there though is that still write like a human don't write like a freaking keyword stuffing robot robot yeah and that's the thing isn't it (laughs) one for the gram (laughs) um (laughs) and I guess yeah you're right it's it's still about you you'd still use kind of full sentences Mm. and things like that so is there any kind of I've got something in my mind that I kind of want you to say rather than me say. (laughs) Is there anything that you could incorporate into that description that would also help in terms of SEO that isn't keywords? I did not hear that question because I think my internet disappeared for like three seconds. Oh no! Uh, So there's kind of something that I want to say but I would rather it came from you kind of thing and (laughs) almost validate my opinion is there anything else that somebody could add to that collection description that maybe isn't a keyword but would also benefit seo links way that's the answer we're looking for yeah um yes i mean this is this applies to collection pages and products as well the more i don't want to go into loads and loads of detail but basically google crawls your site and it looks at not only what's on each page of your site but it also looks at the relationship between pages on your site again i'm doing lots of hand gestures that no one can (laughs) see um (laughs) but basically if you can 
link between products within the same collection. So it really firms up the topic and the emphasis that the collection is trying to get across to Google. So if you've got products under a collection and you can either in the text or in kind of a related products feature at the bottom, I'm sure there's blocks that you can add in at the bottom of product pages. If you can then connect all of those products within a single collection to each other, then that all feeds back to the collection and says this collection is all about this range of items that are all earrings or that are all necklaces or that are all rings. And the same goes, as you're saying, for the collection description. So it, within the collection description, you could you could even link out to other collections that are a bit more specific. So if you've got a collection that's earrings and then you've got another collection that is just gold earrings in your earrings collection description you could link out to the gold earrings collection so that you're sending a signal to google, google that those collections are related but they're still separate things yeah and then from kind of a human perspective because obviously I, you know a lot of the work that i do at the minute is around product-based businesses and e-com and how we can make that better from a human perspective it could be a case that if a potential customer comes from a search engine and they land on a particular product, if if you don't give them other options, mm. they might land on that product and it's not what they expected or it's not actually what they were looking for. If you don't give them other avenues to kind of go and explore, if they don't understand or have an understanding or can see any form of other products that you sell, you could potentially just lose that person. So exactly. by giving them an option, yeah. they can then go and explore at their own free will. And I think I think that's particularly important for visitors that arrive on your site via organic search because they probably haven't ever come across your brand before so they don't know anything about you as a company anything about any of the other products you sell except for the one they've landed on so I think it's and it's another thing that Google takes into account as well is how long people actually spend on your site so the more time you can encourage someone to spend on your site either on that same product or visiting other related products the more the more of a good sign that is to Google that people are actually finding what they're looking for on your site as well. Yeah, 100%. And I've just noticed the time and we've not even got to the action point yet. And I feel (laughs) like we could probably talk all day and we probably will after we start recording. But uh, just to quickly touch on the last bullet point that you sent over, uh, is there anything else that kind of a product-based business could incorporate into their website that would help their SEO? Yes, blogs. (laughs) I'm a big fan of blogs. Again, this is another thing where where you should do as I say and not what I do because my own (laughs) blog is severely neglected. But blogs, I think for product-based businesses, a lot of people kind of shy away from blogs because they're like, well, well, what do I write about? My my product is my product. So what what should I be writing about? Um, But blogs are so great for SEO because not only do they get a huge load of content on your site that you can optimize for keywords so they keep people engaged on the site and they also google likes to have fresh new content on sites all the time so the more regularly you can publish new stuff on there the more likely google is to actually like your site Um, but i think the challenge for product-based businesses is figuring out what to write and i think it's it's important to kind of again take a step back and think not just about the products that you're selling but the people that are buying those products and what they're interested in. If you're selling baby products, then write things that mothers would like to read, even if it's not directly related to your product. If it's something that 
a, a mum might need help with, then write a blog post about it because you're, you're attracting the right kinds of people. Even if they don't convert into a customer right away, they're then exposed to your brand. They know that you exist and they're more likely to come back to you if and when they have a problem that your product can solve. So it's a case of thinking a bit more big picture, I think, when it comes to blogs for product-based businesses and thinking more about the person behind the customer and not just the product that they're buying. Yeah. And that's so true as well, because it's almost, it's just a trust builder, isn't it? Mm. We all talk about building no like and trust. And if you can find in your, you know, your time frame, all that time and resource that you've got running a business anyway, to actually think about the person, I seem to have coined this phrase, the person with the purse strings. Mm-hmm. So one of the, one of the topics that came up within the group program was that for some reason I attracted a lot of baby brands which is cool. But obviously there was a lot of content being made around the baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but the baby's not the person that's purchasing. Yeah, The mother or the father is. So we have to think about them and what they need and how your product solves that problem. So yes, it yeah. benefits the child, but the person that's actually going to buy it, you need to attract them as well. So you're right, taking a step back and kind of saying, how can I help them? And for me as well, when it comes to blogs and product-based businesses, It's almost that kind of one of the things that product based businesses tend to have a challenge with, I find, is that they don't want to be too salesy, right? Mm. Across every social, email, whatever. And so having a blog that you can kind of weave your product into rather than being, this is my product, here's my thing, go and buy it. If you can kind of say, here's the five things that you need to do to develop your child's motor skills, I don't know. And then, you know, one of those points is one of your products that helps with that, Mm. then it's immediately less salesy, isn't it? And you're helping that person. It's also like one of the biggest objections to writing blogs is that they just take a lot of time. Um, Yeah. And yeah, fair enough, they can, especially if you're not a natural writer. If writing doesn't come naturally to you, then they are going to take a bit of time. But again, (laughs) again, I think it's important to to think about how that fits into your overall marketing strategy as well. Because once you've got a blog, you can break that down into like five or six Instagram posts. You can film a little video about it. You can talk about it on your stories. It's, It's one core piece of content that you can then break up across your other marketing channels as well. And you're kind of you're building a community around a shared problem rather than you just saying, go buy my product. Yeah, 100%. Could not agree more. So on that note, what can anybody that's listening to this, you know, if they've kind of listened and gone, cool, you've kind of made it seem really, really simple, but what (laughs) can I actually go away and do? What would you kind of advise them to go away and kind of start doing? I have a list. I have five things. (laughs) (laughs) Five things to go and do, maybe not right now, go and make a cup of tea or something right now, but five (laughs) things to add to your list. Number one, add descriptions to your collection pages. Even if you're not entirely certain on the keywords that you're targeting yet, just go and add those descriptions so you can start getting goodness out of those pages because if they're just a a placeholder for your products then they're doing nothing for you seo wise at the moment so go add a description to your collection pages try adding links in there as well if you can but only if it feels natural number two and this is a shopify specific one delete any apps that you don't use anymore 
like this obviously we haven't touched on technical seo because i am not a technical person and there's a whole load of technical seo that we just won't touch on but one easy thing you can do to speed up your site is to just get rid of any apps that you don't use anymore just go and delete them and I mean, if you want to, this is a slightly scary thing, but sometimes those apps will put a bit of code into your theme file in Shopify. And if you can go and find that little snippet of code, sometimes when you're deleting an app, it will actually tell you that you need to go and delete the code as well. Delete that if you can, because the more your code gets clogged up with all these apps that you don't use anymore, the slower your site will load. And Google doesn't like that and people don't like that. So go do that. Number three, is to go and resubmit your sitemap to Google via Google Search Console, um, which, by the way, you should definitely have connected to your site. And if you haven't, go do that before you do this. <laughs> but resubmitting your sitemap regularly is a really good thing to do, especially if you're adding new products regularly. It just gives a Google, a Google? Just gives Google, it just gives Google a little kick up the butt to go and recrawl your site and look at any new content that you've got on there. So then it can start trying to rank you for it as well. Number four on my list, run a broken link checker on your site. You are probably losing people who are landing on old links that just get a 404 error. So run a 404 error checker, just Google that phrase and something will come up um, across your site and it will point out any links that no longer exist that people are probably ending up bouncing from your site when they click onto. Um, and then what you can do is then go and set a redirect. Again, not too difficult to do in Shopify, but you can set a redirect from that old URL to a related URL or straight back to your homepage, just so people aren't getting that 404 error. Yeah, I tend to find that on with clients that are on Shopify, that generally is down to if you launch a collection of, say, six products and then it sells out and you don't restock it, you know, if you're not leaving that page live for pre-orders or back orders or anything like that, then you'll find that it will have a 404 page. So making sure that you don't have that disjointed customer journey mm -hmm. is massively important. Because if you can imagine you launch a collection and it's got, yeah, six products and one of them ranks really highly on Google, people keep coming across it and clicking on it and just finding a page that just says, oops, this doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it's not It's not that you piss people off. It happens, but it's kind of your responsibility yeah. to, and you're losing to make sales. sure it doesn't. You're, yeah. you're losing sales. The number of times, like think about your own activity. If you land on a broken link, if you land on a page that says page doesn't exist, you're not, nine times out of 10, I won't go and try and find that product on the site. I will just go back yeah. to Google and click on someone else. So yeah. you're literally losing traffic to your competitors number five we're on number five right yes yeah. number, <laughs> yeah. number five is have a just just have a think about blogging sit down with a notepad write out who your customer is and what they care about and then you can start coming up with ideas for blog posts you don't need to go away and write like 20 of them right now but it will just start generating ideas that you can then go and write about um, and get all that juicy seo goodness out of blogs i also have a sneaky sixth point because which we'll come on to okay <laughs> <laughs> amazing well they are absolutely great points I, I feel like quite a few of them we didn't really touch on they they are quite technical mm. but honest to god anybody listening to this google is your friend like we've obviously said the word google an awful lot during this podcast but 
if you don't understand something, Google it, ask somebody or hire somebody to help you. There is no shame in not knowing what these things are, what they what they mean. Um, and I think I just wanted to pick up on your point number three about Search Console. So mm-hmm. I feel like Search Console is very much underused in the small business world Definitely. because it can feel feel quite scary. And I, oh, it's and terrifying. I, well, I get it. it's not terrifying. But when you yeah, say but... Search Console... It sounds yeah. like some kind of creepy spaceship that you don't want to go near. Yeah, and even when you kind of log into it, it can feel a bit overwhelming and like, mm. I don't know what these things mean. But essentially, Search Console is just about kind of showing you how your website is performing on Google. So it will show you what keywords you're ranking for, for um, how much traffic you're getting. And there's all kinds of fancy graphs and things. And it's so lovely to see when you when you changed your date range from three months to 12 months that you see a spike and you yeah. see it kind of gradually increasing and it's lovely. But again, yeah, Google is your friend. But also, you know, there are people on the planet that are making it their mission to have businesses to help you. Leanne is one of them. <laughs> and so as we wrap it up there, I have to say thank you so much, Leanne, for being a podcast guest. And for anybody that has listened to this and has fallen in love with you, you can't have her as an accountability buddy, but she is mine, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, Lorna takes up all of my time. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Where can people find you, follow you, and what services do you offer? How can they work with you? So um, I spend most of my life over on Instagram at the content. As we all dot- do, yeah. yes. <laughs> at the content dot creator. Um, I'm often regularly in Lorna's stories as well because we just we basically just talk to each other via every means possible, <laughs> including Instagram stories. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm over there. I spend a lot of my life over there. Um, my website is obviously thecontentcreator.co.uk. The big thing that I want to shout about today, though, is the course that we've already mentioned, the Zero to SEO Hero. As I said, there's a Shopify-specific version of the course where I go into every everything we've spoken about today I go into a lot more detail in in the course and I'll like screen share show you exactly where you should be doing all these things we even get your site connected to search console in the course so amazing worth it just for that I think um (laughs) but if Lorna does her accountability job properly my (laughs) course will be launching in June but you can sign up to the waitlist via the link in my Instagram bio or just directly on my website as well and yeah it's coming soon and it's very exciting and you will see lots of Hercules content over the next few weeks as well (laughs) (laughs) and as always everything that Leanne has mentioned or we've talked about including the link to her signing up for your to add your interest uh, will be in the show notes as well so you can get to those places super duper quick website instagram and also registering your interest for her course i feel like we have talked about your course so much and i'm so excited for you to get it done and it to be released into the world anybody that's listening that is genuinely kind of thinking about seo and how much of a whirlwind it is hand on heart recommend it i feel like i've had a bit more of an insight than most people (laughs) And yes. honest to God, I think it's just gonna it's just gonna kind of squash those worries and those kind of what's the word? Those fears. We, fears, let's go with that. Yeah. Around SEO. Cause it can, you know, we're two people that have had insight into this world for quite some time. Let's let's not quote <laughs> how many years. Um 
And so, you know, it's normal to us. It's kind of common sense to us. But if you're trying to run a business, you know, you don't have all the time, money and resource in the world. And just to have one resource that you can go back to time and time again, just to validate the things that you're thinking might be right is always worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's coming soon. It's, um, <laughs> I'm actually, it is, coming soon. <laughs> it is coming soon. It is coming soon. I'm sitting in my filming spot right now, so I might even get some more filming done today. You never know. Woo-hoo. Very exciting. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Leanne. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. <laughs> and I'm sure I will voice note you afterwards. <laughs> Yay. I love a Lorna voice note. <laughs> don't because everybody else will start asking no i'm joking no no i only need to get them i told you i'm needy (laughs) i need all of your attention lorna (laughs) love it right well have a lovely rest of your day and i'll talk to you soon cool speak to you later thanks bye. bye